and welcome back for another episode of Talking Bollocks. Hello, welcome. It's nice to have you back to the show. My name is Howard H. Smith and I am also lead singer of UK thrash metal band Acid Rain. I also host this here podcast. I also host the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. Um, so yeah, I also do stand-up comedy, have done for over 20 years and will do as soon as everything opens up again. Been doing a little bit on Zoom, but it's not the same as playing in front of a live audience, that's for sure. Nothing replaces that feeling. So, hello. If this is your first visit to Talking Bollocks, hello. This is a bit of a special. Um, this is all about the movie The Sound of Scars. Now, this has been, um... Sorry about that as well. Sorry about that notification in the background. There's nothing more annoying. I am going to get rid of that. Yep, there we go. Computer volume is off. So you won't be hearing any more of that. Seems to go on quite a lot in podcasts at the moment. That's because we're all on Zoom and all the rest of it. And anyway, let's get back to the point. This is all about the sound of Scars, the documentary into the behind-the-scenes goings-on of one of the most interesting bands around, and that is Life of Agony. I've been a fan since the very first day the very first album came out. I walked into a shop that was open then in London called Metalhead, and one of the the guys in there knew me. One of them just grabbed me as soon as I walked in and said, you're going to want to listen to this. And he played, I think, within about two or three songs in on The River Runs Red, I was like, yeah yeah i'm having this definitely um and i've been a fan ever since absolutely just something completely different and any band any band who can put out a debut album that is a concept album about suicide and depression and it is brilliant is gonna it's gonna stand the test of time and is always gonna be in my top bands and they certainly are now um, possibly one of the only bands with an interesting enough story to actually span a feature film uh, length documentary well this is the band this is the movie um, uh, there, is, there are a couple of things I want to uh, mention before I, um, before I go any further purely um, for the regular listeners of course um, and what I always do at this point is usually do about 20 minutes of news that has been going on in the world of metal um, but I, wa- I want to get into the interview quickly because I know there will be a fair few listeners who are here for a first time and don't want to listen to my normal jibber jabber and that's, that's kind of understandable really so um, just to say that there is a new Flotsam and Jetsam single out called Burn the Sky. That is from the upcoming album, um, which, is called, which is called Blood in the Water. And this song's called Burn the Sky. And um, I'm going to include a link in the description of this podcast. So if you see, well, you'll see there's a link there. You can click through, click through and go through. Um, sounds great. Sounds good. Um, a very good uh, precursor for the new album. So um, fingers crossed. That's all. Uh, that's all due to be out with us in on June the fourth. The other thing I wanted to mention is because we're also doing a movie today, um, an interview about a movie today is Heavy Metal Hitchhiker. This is a TV program that is coming from Banger Films. That's right, Banger Films, um, which is the brainchild of Sam Dunn, who is the co-founder of Banger Films. 
Um, sounds like a really interesting idea. It's a heavy metal hitchhiker. Um, it's a an, an eight, eight episode original comedy. It's going to be on YouTube, so no re- no reason at all for you not to watch it. The soundtrack sounds banging anyway. Power Trip, Carcass, Municipal Way, Earthless, Possessed. Then um, some more Canadian bands because Banger Films are based out of Canada, which is uh, X Exciter, Ken Mode, Protest the Hero. Cancer bats, uh, yeah, all sorts. So anyway, uh, there's also going to be a link to Heavy Metal Hitchhiker in the description of this podcast. Just go to um, their YouTube channel and you will be able to get that's youtube.com forward slash banger TV. But there is going to be a link in the podcast. So anyway, let's get to the sound of scars. Um, Lee Brooks is the man who's behind this um, this project who very kindly agreed to give up his time on a Sunday morning to, to chat to me. And um, uh, it was it was really easy to get hold of him. It was, it, we had an absolutely brilliant morning. We had a great time, as you're going to hear. Um, and we just, I mean, you know, two big Life of Agony fans got to talk about like an, a Life of Agony and talk about the movie he has just made of Life of Agony. It's, it's a perfect way to start a weekend. And here is our chat. Um, There are links in the podcast to where you can get this. The Sound of Scars. Go find the the movie. Very easy to find. It's called (laughs) soundofscars.com. Couldn't be much simpler. So now, here is my chat with myself and Lee Brooks. Hello. Hello there, Lee. Hello, mate. How's it going? Uh, very well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Welcome to Sunday. What a day! So, you, are you are you uh, are you all set for your first podcast interview? I, I am indeed. I'm, I have coffee. I have water. I have bollocks to chat. So I think I'm. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm in. in good, you're, you're in good company. You're in. You're in the right place. <laughs> um, so. Um, we have st- we have started, by the way, because um, right. that's usually a question that comes up about five minutes in when people realise that we've been chatting. Um, uh, just to give you an idea um, of um, who I am, I, I, I run this podcast. Um, I uh, sing in a UK thrash band called um, Acid Rain. Um, yes, you do. Which, which I do. Oh, you've done your homework. Um, of course. And, I, and I've been a stand-up comic for 25 years, so... Um, Brilliant. So basically what we should be doing is just is basically having a chat. But I also have, um, as well as Talking Bollocks, the occasional episode of Movie Bollocks comes out as well. So you're right in the sweet spot of Between the Two. Ooh. Yeah, multi-appeal. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, um, look, I, I want to start with kind of like the, the obvious, which is we're both huge Life of Agony fans. Um, yeah. how, how, did, how did that all begin for you? And it was 1996, and I was working as a security guard, um, and on one of my days off, I drove to Kingston, went to pick up, um, I think it was some really crap CD that was at Babylon Zoo, Spaceman, I think it was something like that, yeah, and then yeah. I went straight to, to the, went straight to the metal section, um, and obviously you couldn't really hear stuff online, you went by the covers, yeah. um, and I went by the label, and the label for me was Roadrunner. And the band on this day was Life of Agony, and it was ugly. Um, and I picked up this the, the, the tin um, CD. Yeah. At uh, a quick look, I saw Keith at the time on the you know on the on the inside in the inside of the uh, yeah of the, of the CD. I saw the artwork which spoke to me. 
Um, I read the album track, bought the CD, and I put it on um, on the way home, and I was just fucking blown away by it. It just spoke to me on so many levels, um, and I was just intrigued. I was like, who is this band? You know, I've never heard of them. Um, uh, and then I found out a little bit more. Someone then passed me River Runs Red, and uh, they told me the story of that, about, you know, you know suicide attempts. Um, yeah. And it was difficult for me to get into that album at first, I have to say, because I was used to, weirdly enough, I was used to Ugly. And then when I listened to this album, which was a lot more ferocious, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and full on, it took me ages to get into it. Um, and I don't know if it, was, if it was a subject matter at the time, um, but it, it kind of, you know, it, it, it was a bit much for me. Um, and especially listening to the, you know, the last track on the album, it was, it was yeah. horrendous, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, the, you know, where the kid slashes his wrists and you can hear it dripping away. It was horrible, um, you know, and, and it, it spoke to me and it, it took me a while to get into that. But um, uh, then obviously I did and I went to see them in 1996, uh, same year. I think they played at the Astoria and I was blown away again. It was just, you know, the crowd was amazing. Uh, you know, the mosh pit was insane. Uh, the band was just on fire. And, and then you've got Keith, this, this, this person on the front that, really didn't look like he wanted to be there yeah. but that to me was part of the the mystique and and, and the and, and the appeal of the band it was just yes. this anti-front person yeah um and it, that's what the band were to me you know and they got me through some really dark times in my life well i think well there's 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 a lot to get through there but firstly um a, a lot of people will identify with what you were saying there about you know about how you know particular albums helping you through particular times because i think it's something yeah. i think it's something that we all uh certainly in the metal community it's something that we, we we all identify with um also that that um uh i mean i was i was at that show by the way so no way. Uh, oh yeah oh yeah um you spilled that pint of him, uh, I, I, I was gonna say if you were working as a security guard that night you might have tried to throw me out um, <laughs> um i was um uh uh, and you're spot on about um, about Keith and my my kind of analogy slash theory for that was I mean I absolutely love Life of Agony and you know I I, I started with the River Runs Red so it's interesting because I, I literally the day it came out um, but that's wow. not that's not because I was super underground it was because I went into a, um, a metalhead which um, uh, was in Camden for a while and it was just off Carnaby Street oh. for a while. And I knew the guys who worked in there and I walked in and one of them just handed me the CD as I walked in and he went, you'll want, you'd be wanting to buy that. And I was like, oh, right, uh-huh. OK. Um, I miss those people. I miss yes. those people. Yeah, it's not the same as an algorithm, is it? No, it's not. When someone <laughs> handed me television, formaldehyde or Rage Against the Machine, go, you're like that. Where, where are those people now, man? They were, they were amazing. They were my gurus. I know, I know. I mean, they, they were, you know, they were our, um, they were our, you know, essential workers back in the day. <laughs> they were. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, um, clap for them on a Thursday night. But the um, the the point you make about um, about Keith not looking like he wanted to be there, uh, my kind of analogy that I always drew from that was that it was amazing because it was basically a metal band fronted by an indie singer, and do, yeah. there, there's like this metal band going on, and the, and it literally looks like there's been somebody transplanted from like a shoegaze indie band. <laughs> do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? To, to front them, like yeah, I, I absolutely get that. Yeah, and and it was just like, yeah, it's really, really, really odd. And I, um, I mean, I totally understand about River Runs Red as well, because ugly is that. It, it, it whilst it is, I mean, there's some incredibly moving and touching and 
you know disturbing songs on ugly but river runs red is 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 another level um it really is but, but it's also it's also i've i mean i've it's in my top 5 greatest debut albums of all time um purely because when you think about a, a band who were in their early 20s come out with their very first album and it's a concept album and it's as heavy lyrically and musically as it is and it's so complete it's so completely formed yeah. And, you know, the narrative, the way it's done, everything about it is absolutely spot on. I wouldn't change a thing. And for that, that that takes bands years to be able to deliver that kind of thing in their career, you know? Yeah, completely. Um, And for for them to be able to pull that off on the first album, I, I was just utterly amazed and i mean i have every version of that album possible you know the live version the top <laughs> the top shelf version with all the extra stuff the videos with keith dancing about with blonde hair which is just so yeah. weird now um and you know that's that's where i came from with the band which and so ugly for me was like it it, it took me a while to get into that because it was because yeah, it wasn't go. quite you know, it, do you know what i mean the same for the opposite reasons for you the other way around you know what I yeah, mean ex- exactly that exactly that it's a, it's a funny thing because um, like I say when I've got into and other people's like you know telling me about River Runs Red I you know yeah it was I got into you know it was you know Seasons I Regret Lost at 22 you know, all these tracks Other Side of the River just amazing tracks Let's Pretend you, you know they were they were well crafted songs do you know what I mean they really were um, yeah. and yeah to get then go back that side of it was was a sh- as much of a shock as it would have been for the diehard fans of the first album to then get something that is kind of essentially you know I'd say in their ears watered down, but in in my ears enhanced in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's the thing with the band they they've always gone that way. They they've just done what they wanted over the years. You know, they've never tried to ape what came before. You know, and, and I, I I admire them for that. You know, it's amazing that well, they that they kind of kept that through and I. I mean, going back to you know other albums I've done like Broken Valley, I I, I got into that quite late as well. Um, and first couple of seasons, I was like on the fence with it, and then it, I just it just snapped in, um, and I love that album now as well. It's um, you always get something out of that band, you know. Well, I I I had the same version of Ugly as you did, the tin version. Um, and funnily funnily enough, I remember I, this is a, like a total tangent, but um, I was starting out my stand up career at the time. And I was doing a gig at a place called Bungie's, which was a which was a basically a basement gig in a vegetarian restaurant. It was it was free entry. Surprise, surprise. Um, and um, I turned up to do a show having bought the CD from Tower Records and I had it with me. And I sat down and one comedian who I used to gig a lot with, who um, was banging to his music, had a whole section in his set about um uh, John Peel was the now famous Robin Ince, um, oh. and um, you know the Robin Ince of the uh, Infinite Monkey Cage and works with Brian yeah. Cox quite a lot, and um, and he said he said oh straight away he was like oh all right Howard what what, what have you got there I said oh you know you won't be, you won't be bothered he was like no 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 I I, I want to know I want to know I was like are you sure it's metal and he was like I, look I'm you know, I'm a music obsessive. I was like, all right, fine. So I gave it to him. And he was looking at it and the packaging and everything. And he was like, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. 
I was like, look, mm. he, I was like, mate, uh, you, you know, it's like nothing you've ever heard either. And he said, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt this out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, get a listen. I was like, okay, cool. And, um, and next time I gigged with him and he was like, he was like, wow, life of agony. Amazing. It's like, it's not metal and it's not, it's not punk. It's not hardcore. It's not, it's not indie. I don't know what it is, but I really, really like it. And, you know, thanks for introducing me to it. So, it, actually, it might have been quite handy if you knew all this before you made the documentary. You could have got a nice talking head out of it with him. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so that was that. Sorry, that was a complete tangent. But um, before we go to Broken Valley, the ne- next stop on our journey is, um, is Soul Searching Sun, um, which yeah. I don't know about you, but when that came out, I heard that and I was like, oh, my God, this is like this is like ugly. And the river runs red had a baby who's really cool yeah 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 definitely like tangerine is an awesome track man you know what i mean there's some bangers on there as well weeds um just the opener yeah weeds. definitely exactly exactly desire amazing tune cool video as well mad story behind that video um as well um, oh, go, well go you know, on let's, you, let's hear it well, have you seen it right so, so the video basically if the guy's looking really uh, mournful, um, you know, on, on an old double bass, uh, Alan's on a double bass, uh, they're dressed in tuxedos, they're in this kind of lounge, it's very David Lynch. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all these kind of strange characters that were actually, you know, a lot of them were the, you know, family members. They weren't strange at the time, but they were, you know, made to be strange uh, in the video. Um, and there was no Keith in it because, you know, literally a couple of days before, that was when Keith said, I, I'm out, well, you know, I, I don't want to be in the band anymore. Um, and they had to do this video with, without the wow. Mina, you know. Yeah, yeah I, um, I didn't realise. It's worth, yeah, it's worth seeking out. It's amazing. It's a really good video, actually. The track's great. Um, and yeah, so the, the, yeah, I think Alan's dad's in it. Um, you know, the uh, sister, I think, is briefly in it as well. Uh, definitely worth seeking out. And the track's awesome as well. But yeah, you know, going back to that point, I mean, that must have been so hard for the band, but incredibly hard for Mina, obviously, to kind of get to that point of... Um, yeah, you know, I don't want to be in this anymore. You know, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah, um, take strength to do that. Oh, but I, you know, the peer pressure that would have been around her at the time. Well, in in I mean, let's face it. You know, you're talking early '90s in a sort of metal mm. hardcore scene. That is about as um, that's about as male as it's going to get. That really, you yeah. know, that 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 that's as macho as is possible to be. You know. Um, and and I, I totally you know I totally get it, but then, but then of course everything came back together for Broken Valley. Now I'm interested to hear you say that you've got something because I've 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 struggled with 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 it over the years. And yeah. you mentioning it there, it, it struck, while you were talking, I was thinking, right, yeah. Do you know what? As soon as this interview's over, that CD yeah. that CD's getting pulled out the rack, and it needs it's reassessing. It. it needs yeah, reassessing. It's really worth it. It's a cracker of an album that is, and that's that was more about. Um, the death of, of Mina's father, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff that went into that was, you know, that they, they actually got back together. You know, we discussed this in, in the film. Um, they get back together, um, you know, at, at Mina's father's wake. Um, and the guys, you know, because obviously Mina and Joey are cousins and Alan, you know, has known them since, since the beginning, you know, at the end of time. Um, and that was the first time they've been in a room together for a long, long time, you know, since they split. And, and it was there where, you know, that was where they, you know, kind of re- reignited everything again. Um, and they poured all of that, you know, yeah, again, it's another term for them. They put all of that suffering and pain that they were all experiencing 
from from that death um, into that record. So yeah, it's definitely worth going to like the day he died. You know, there's a track on there which is obviously about you know uh, Tony. Um, it, it, it's definitely worth a visit again. Wow. Well, in which case, um, I will. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to revisit that without a doubt. Um, and that um, that sort of sort of um, well, it doesn't it doesn't sort of quite bring us up to date um, because soul searching. Uh, sorry, soul searching. Time. Um, the sound of scars is uh, when when I heard that there was going to be a sound of scars, a follow up to River Runs Red. Yeah, I was. I, I, it was real mixed emotions. I was, I was, yeah, I'm sure. you know, I was like, oh, great. And also, ah, oh, this is like, you know, please don't fuck it up. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. You, look, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, course, you know, it's it, more it, than, it it's more than back. music. Yeah, completely. It's, it, you know, you're, you're poking, you're poking something that's very precious to people when they protected that and actively tried to get you to go back to that, you know, every year since that came out. So you know they, they had to. There was definitely a lot of voices they would have had to have thought through um, in order to get that you know even remotely recognised when people hold that album on such you know a, a pedestal and rightly so, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's. I mean, when I when I first heard it, I was just like, oh my god, right, okay, they've done it. They've they. I mean, I knew straight away that they'd pulled it off. It's then a case of right. They've pulled it off, but now, now I need to go away, and like you know, listen to it on repeat for months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sonically, it's amazing as well. That one with Joey did a, a phenomenal job um, on that with, with Sylvia Massey as well. You know, sonically, the louder you turn that, it's one of those albums. It just you know, it feels right. The louder it goes. Yes, yeah, and do you know what? I've, I've, I realised I missed out the uh, the place where there's no, a place where there's no more pain because that is um that's a real landmark in the band's career. That was when I spoke to I spoke to Joey and Mina. Um, I mean, yeah. I, well, I spoke to Joey at the show actually in um, um, when they played Camden. Yeah, Electric Ballroom. Yeah, but you were at that as well, weren't you? That was a, well, that was the first time that I met them that night. Oh right, well, um, and I I interviewed I interviewed Joey, um, you know, about an hour before they went on. Um, ah, amazing! And I'd already sp- I'd already spoken to Mina, who best 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 intro to an interview ever. I I, I did my little speech about like you know I sing in a band and blah blah blah, and straight away um, she goes, "Well, thank you, Howard. Uh, it's good to know I'm talking to an artist." Um, I'd like, and that's my meaner impression, by the way, and I'm damn proud of it. Wonder, uh, um, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> and um, you got the twang down there. Yeah, and straight, and just straight off the bat, she was like, oh, "It's good to know I'm talking to an artist." And it was just like we just just eased into this really cool conversation. A lot of people, have, <laughs> a lot of people have brought up that interview and said, "Like, wow, just like it was just." It was really cool, and it was it was all her. None Brilliant. of it was, none of it was me, um, and um, and so yeah, we, you know, a place where there's no more pain. That tour, that album, Mina has you know gone through the transition. It, it it's it's you know she's reborn. The band is reborn. They're absolutely killing it, kicking ass with 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 that album. Which yeah, for I me, agree. you know, it just it it, it came from nowhere. It really did. It was like, oh, they're back, a new album. I was like, okay, fine, you know, Broken Valley was all right. Uh, let's let's give it. A-. And I was just like, this is, this is like, 
back to the, this is absolutely brilliant. They're firing on all cylinders. Um, yeah, definitely. And it was it was like it was like having you know it's like having that old friend back. Um, and yeah, and, and absolutely. So, so how did you actually how did you how did you up getting to meet them? Well, I had a ticket, obviously. <laughs> you know, they hadn't played for a while, and yeah. it was the Anarchy in the UK tour, which was an amazing concept and poster anyway, three dates. Um, and I contacted Mina, first of all, got no response, said, look, I'm a filmmaker, I make music videos and, you know, uh, corporate shit and stuff, and, <laughs> which, you know, I mainly did at the time. Um, and I didn't get a response. And I thought, uh, I'll, I'll just try Alan at the same time, you know, and tried him. And he got back, he looked at my reel and loved it. And I said, look, I'm already coming down anyway. I, I, I'll shoot something for, you know, for, for you guys, get me some content if you want it, great. You know, if not, fair enough. And he said, yes, straight away. So um, I went down there with a steady cam. Uh, and yeah, it was an amazing night. It was so cool to meet them. I mean, bear in mind, like I said, you know, if you, you want to talk about high-fiving your younger self, man. I was yeah. absolutely high-fiving my 19-year-old self. I'm going, <laughs> dude this fucking rules man and I was on stage with them I was climbing the rafters you know on, onto the stack like throwing the camera into the crowd and back out again I was everywhere and that's where I, you know I was in the mosh pit with another camera um, filming it and I got this amazing shot of Mina which I'm really proud of it, it looks like something from the 70s the way it's you know real slow-mo shot and um, the steady cams travelling through the speakers and she's dancing as the lights are going off in the smoke and everything else is really iconic. It's an iconic shot that is in the movie, actually. Um, and yeah, that's that was it. And then the next day, I was buzzing. I sent the guys a couple of clips, and they freaked out and were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And I said, "Right, if you want, I'll come up to Manchester tonight <laughs> and and do the same again." So I did. Um, I went up there with um, a cameraman and my ex-wife, um, and we filmed it again. You know, and had a great night out there. I met Mina. And she was like, my God, you know, we, we connected straight away. There was there was definitely um, a connection straight away, which I've always had with her. I think she's, she's awesome. She's actually helped me personally get through some dark times since as well, you know. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, Alan said, do you want to do uh, our next music video? And I said, yeah. And then, you know, I did it was a place where there's no more pain than I did. Um, well gone mad. Um, then it was dead to be kindly, and then obviously um, moving on. I, you know, or obviously I did the new, I did scars and lay down as well from um, from the new album. So I've done five of their videos, which is insane. Um, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, that's awesome. I, I so, so basically, since just that that meeting, you've kind of become the yeah. um, the the official videographer of the band. The unofficial fifth member of the band, as I would like to call myself. I don't think they would. But they would. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think you've earned it, mate. You've earned it. Um, I, I mean, that's just that's incredible. That and so they they knew they kind of inverted commas had you as a as, as a resource. Um, yeah. Did and so having done those videos, it, it, it presumably it was a, a the, le- the the next logical step was to you know, do a, a chronological movie of the making of the next album, especially see, seeing how it's such a, um, a a crucial release being a follow-up to The River Runs Red. Well, the film is not, even though it's called The Sound of Scars, that's kind of, you know, as the name suggests, is, is the, 
you know, it, it's the songs from from out there. It's everything that encompasses those guys making, you know, records and and you know, tools that get people through stuff and the sound of scars. That's it. So it's not about the making. Ah, uh, got you um, right. Okay, my apologies. So, you know, and that's no, that's fine. It's not. You know, we've not been that explicit with what this film is or isn't, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's reasons for that. You know, it's not. This is not. Um, you know a band film as such where they did this they recorded this they went into the studio this happened that happened right. it's not that at all this film is about you know the families as much as anything you know in, in fact more so at times it's the family members um, how you know things that happened in the past why certain songs were written why certain albums were written the dynamics of the band you know especially of those three guys because they were together you know from the ages of that 14, 15 they were friends, yeah. You know, fighting and out in the basement. So this film is as much. It's not chronological. It jumps all over the place. Um, right. And yeah, it's 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 a ride. It's it's a ride, and I'm really I'm I'm really proud of it. I really am. It's such a, an amazing story to tell. You know, from Nina's transition to, you know, the, the you know why they are the way they are, and you know the the place they came from, which is Brooklyn. That's and and presumably it was. I mean, that's that's involved. Um, gathering footage together, uh, a, a ton of which uh, you know isn't yours, and and digging, having st- digging yeah. stuff out, and creating. Presumably, you've then once you've got once you know what you're working with, you have to try and find a, a, a kind of a, a narrative and a timeline to kind of put it yeah. all together, and then decide what you're how you want to deliver that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's stuff that possibly can't be covered in the film. You know, there are stories which are amazing, but will probably lend themselves more to podcasts than, than you know, than, than actually, you know, filming. Um, so, yeah, it become pretty apparent. I did three interviews over the phone <laughs> with each of the band members um, from which I derived, like, the main kind of narrative arcs that I wanted to explore further. And then me and my DOP, Richard Lynch, uh, we got on a plane and went over to New-, to New York for 10 days, and that was April 2019. Um, and we filmed you know, a lot of stuff over there. And then there's a bit more filming in the UK. And then we went back to film all the family stuff in December of 19, just before the pandemic. Wow. Hit. That's a perfect timing as well. Absolutely. If we, if we hadn't gone then, we wouldn't have got the film that we have. It's, it's, it, the film is all about what we shot when we went there in December. It's amazing. It really is. Well, it's funny, yeah, because as soon as you said that, when you said, like, you know, we did all this filming in December 2019, I thought, I bet I know what you were doing during lockdown. Exactly that. (laughs) You know, my work dried up. Yeah. Everything dried up, as it did for everyone. Um, And that was scary on the one hand, but then that meant that I could sit in my edit suite. Like, I've got a converted garage. I create my edit suite slash studio yeah um and yeah i basically edited the film out of there and we locked it about i think eight weeks ago so it was a long a long edit it really was but then i've been working on another documentary at the same time as well so there's been a couple of projects going in tandem um, but yeah, it's been it's been a process. It really has. Well, funnily enough, I did my first ever. I did my first episode of of movie bollocks. The you know talking bollocks have been going years, but I did my very first episode during lockdown, and that was with um, uh, Peaky Blinders editor Paul Knight. Um, and he was. And oh, he, I know Paul Knight. Really? Yeah, yeah. I used to work with him years ago. So I was his avid engineer. 
Oh right, okay. Well, well, the, well. The 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 bizarre connection is um, his wife is my masseur. Um, wow. And, uh, uh, yeah, she's an amazing sport uh, sports massage and stuff like that. And um, and one day I was one day I was like you know going through the house to the uh, to the the massage studio at the back and um, I couldn't help help but notice a BAFTA on the uh, on, uh, you know on the um, uh, on the side and I was like oh right is, is that yours you know and, and he said oh oh that's Paul's I was like, oh yeah no so we had a little bit of a chat and you know he he I, we you know we met and he agreed to do the podcast and then we never got round to it and then, of course as soon as lockdown hit it was like the ideal time. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I ended up getting Paul. Oh, that's, that's absolutely bizarre. Um, um, yeah, I think he owns his own kit as well. I think he's, he's always had his own, his own edit suite that he used to, used to go around with. Yeah. Um, for years but yeah, yeah that was, so, uh, so when I was talk- a long time ago though yeah so when I was talking to him he was in he was doing exactly what you were doing which is well everything's dried up but I can still I can still you know edit and you know yeah. transfer everything on the you know online servers and all the rest of it so essentially I can yeah, I can do this and um and he's and, and his his son had always wanted to sort of have a go but he, you know, he'd never had time, and he said, "Well, that's all we've got time to do now." So his, so his, his, his son was learning to edit with all of these, all these episodes of Peaky Blinders, just like you know, chopping them up, and uh-huh. doing stuff that was like, does he know how lucky he is? <laughs> um, Brilliant. Yeah, but but yeah, amazing timing. Great to hear that you know that you you got all that in, and presumably <clears throat> the next step once you've once you've got all that together and everything else is. Um, is a is distribution? I mean, it, or, or is that mm-hmm. something that you're just doing? You know, you doing yourselves well, or? We at the moment, like we, we we went through the process. We had a couple of offers on the table, and nothing really felt right. Um, plus, we had to raise you know more more cash in order to finish it because you know licensing tracks is not cheap. You know, yeah, licensing yeah. some of the material is not cheap, and you know, um, I'm the sole investor basically, apart from um, you know my DOP. But, you know, I've, I've ploughed everything into this. So it got to a point where we're like, right, that's, that's, we can't do that anymore. Um, and I don't think we would have, we would have, you know, seen anything back from distribution for a while. So um, we're doing a limit, limited two-week run, um, which obviously starts from April 16th. And we are also using, you know, part of the proceeds to go to two charities, All Out and uh, Suicide Lifeline Prevention. And, um, yeah, it's just a way that we kind of wanted to get the buzz going now, if you see what I mean, rather than wait for the distribution kind of thing to kick in. We wanted to actually control that ourselves a little bit at the beginning. Um, And because we've done everything else ourselves, you know, Alan's done the art direction, Joey's done the sound mix, Mina has done the score, with Joey's done, you know, some of the score as well. And we've we've done it all. Like, it's, it's almost like when the band started, you know, when the band starts up, you know, you do your demos, you do... Uh, you know your shows or whatnot. It, it's a bit similar to that. Um, so we wanted to control this two-week run, and then after that, we'll end up looking for um, for a distribution partner. Um, so yeah, it's probably the, the reverse way of doing it. But you know, I think it's important for the fans to get to see this quick, rather than wait another six months yeah. or so for the film to actually come out properly. And it's something that we can do, and we're loving it. You know, the actual promotion is great. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know, working out what we need to do, what, what buttons we need to press. Um, you know, we've been creating little vignettes from, you know, behind the scenes stuff at the moment. 
which um, you know they're, they're proving quite quite successful at the moment. So we'll keep doing that leading up. So it's a way that the fans can get all this bonus stuff as well leading up to the you know the release of the of the film on the 16th, which is the day before my birthday. Oh wow! It's the day. It's the day after my birthday. No! Oh wow! There he is. This is lions. Hey, this is this is yeah, this is getting a, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this is getting a bit odd now. Next, I, I think uh, it's serendipitous, my I, friend. We're, yeah, we seem to be brushing, uh, you know, crossing swords without realizing it. I, I, t- I tell you what, if I if, if I if I if I turn this speaker off and I can still hear you speaking, <laughs> it means you're somewhere in the block that I live. <laughs> and, uh, I'm and in it, your brain. Uh, yeah, I'm in your vortex. <laughs> well, I'm I, well, I'm in West London, just so you know. Um, Whereabouts? Uh oh! <laughs> uh oh! He's close. I'm in West London. Um, I'm I, I'm in Hanwell. Hanwell. I'm not in Hanwell. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like I like that. You make me admit where I am, and you say, like, "No, I'm not in Hanwell." <laughs> I'm not in. No, I'm, not, I'm in Margate. I am. Oh. So I'm. Yeah, I'm in Margate, as Chad and Dave would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's that's quite a that's quite a way away. Um, it, yeah, it, it is. I mean, I was, you know, South London born, and I was born in Fulham, um, uh, and was raised around Portobello Road quite a lot. My dad had a store down there, so West London, you know, is, is, a, is a massive part of my life. But um, yeah, God, being by the sea in lockdown has been the one. I have to say, I'm glad that I'm not, um, you know, I'm not in London during lockdown because just to get out and about, as yeah. well as being, you know, locked into my Eddie suite, has been has been great. It's, 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 it's taken the sting out of the tail. Of not seeing family and friends, which sucks. Yeah, oh, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I'm I've, I'm lucky to be in a part where I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of the very last. I'm the last London postcode out west. After me, it's Middlesex. I Hanwell. Yeah. So so after me, it's Middlesex, and so I can, you know, I'm I'm yeah. sort of fairly fairly out in the sticks for by London standards. Um, so it's been, you know, it, it hasn't, it hasn't, you know, well, people have had it a lot worse than me, put it that way. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, um, but uh, with all, I mean, presumably you've got all, you've got all the band involved in, in uh, promotion and, and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, you've, you've, you're heading for, uh, you're heading for a release date. What are your, what are your kind of um, wishes for, for the movie, you know, for its reception, for its performance? Um, I think I want, you know, I think if you've ever had anything go wrong in your family, personal life, um, and you've ever connected with something that's got you through that, you're going to, it doesn't matter if you're a metal fan or not, you're going to take something away from this. I mean, um, yeah, I I just hope people get the heart behind it and the sentiment between families and forgiveness and, you know, all the the crap that leads you to the point of having to forgive someone or, or let things go. You know, I think we can all learn lessons from that, regardless of whether it's about a band or not. Yeah. So I just hope it resonates with people on a personal level, and a bit like the albums did. Do you know what I mean? Everyone, you listen to those albums, you take that into your own life. You, it would get mixed up in your own emotions and your own experiences and your own, you know, everything to do with you. That becomes you. You know, those tracks become as much you as everyone else that listens to them. And I think I want that for the film that people watch it. And get something, you know, back for you know for themselves. If, if something resonates in that film for for people, then then you know it's done its job. It really has. Yeah, yeah, I I, I get that as well. And that must be, it's kind of, it's kind of weird for um, uh, a documentary 
to possess those qualities. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, because they, you, you 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 know you you know you can touch people. You know you know you can reach people emotionally with um with, with with a dramatic you know where where you're where you're literally kind of you know pressing the emotional buttons as it were you know you know yeah. you know where you're going to hit people and how it's going to hit them whereas something like this is you kind of you don't know do you you're going to you're going to be waiting for the audience to tell you what you know what yeah. what does what for them yeah exactly that exactly that um you know, it's a phenomenal story. It's an incredible story that, that spans, you know, not just beginning in the 80s, it goes back further. You know, we discuss things that happened in the, in, in the 50s in Brooklyn, you know, from a, a generation back. Right. So it, it's literally, you know, how our, gen, you know, I think a big takeaway of it, you know, a lot of the things that we're discussing is how the generations have changed. So if you think back to your parents and how they were, but then go back another generation and, and think on, on their parents, and what they were like and the experiences that they had and then another one suddenly gets really brutal the further you go back through those ages you know so even though we're living in quite you know fucked up times I think a lot of learning has been done over the years from the generations and things that have happened and things that have gone wrong that you you kind of either go one or two ways you, you continue those behaviours or you stop and you try and make the next generation a little bit better than the one before so there's things you know massive things going through the film about that huge yeah, that's that is it's 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 kind of um, it sounds like it's almost like a, a a love letter to Brooklyn as well in in, in some ways because there's yeah. you clearly that plays a massive role you know that's where they're all from um, that's where their families are from and and that's where the scene was based as well that they became part of yeah. And and I know I know what it's like, you know, having you know, I mean, I signed a record deal when I was seventeen in this in this industry, and so wow. I know what it's like when you're young and you're swept up by a scene, and you're a, you're yeah. at an impressionable age, um, and what happens at those points in your life can have a huge effect on you. I mean, here I am, you know, approaching fifty one, and uh, you know, I'm I'm doing the band again and have been since 2015 i mean if you'd said that to me when i was 15 or 16 uh, firstly i wouldn't wouldn't have i wouldn't have believed i'd have made it to 50 um and secondly i'd be like no you're joking and it's still sometimes it hits me that you know this thing that started out when i was like 14 15 years old is now is, is still a massive part of my life and i and i I, I know that you know what they went through at such an early age and, and getting swept swept up like they did. Um, again, that must have had a massive impact, especially on Mina. Yeah, hugely. Um, you know, she by her own words, I think she said this. You know, obviously outside the film, anyway. She she weren't she was not prepared for that. You know, she was not prepared for what was coming, um, and obviously she was very conflicted with. You know, her own emotions, she also struggled, you know, because most of the lyrics are, are Alan's as well. So she's singing Alan's state of mind out yeah. front. And then people are thinking, it's all Mina, but actually it was more Alan that was, you know, that was writing, the, penning the stories of their lives down. Um, and that was a massive struggle for her as well. And then, yeah, obviously, you know, to go from Brooklyn to, you know, from playing Lemours, um and doing really well, you know, up, up the coast. Um, and then being plonked straight into, you know, into Europe on a tour bus. Yeah. That must have been, you know, it, it was tough. It was tough on all of them in, in different ways. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I, I absolutely get that. I mean, I had the luxury of singing my own singing my own lyrics. I, I I can, but I absolutely get the the disconnect that that can cause and the internal disconnect that that can cause by yeah. by having to communicate the emo- the appropriate emotions to words that aren't yours. It's yeah, yeah you kind of appropriating emotion, I guess, is is, is the phrase, and that is. Yeah, that's 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 a tough call. And then to be doing that every night in strange countries that speak a strange language and the food's different and back in those back in those times it was a lot more difficult to to be connected with family and anything familiar. I mean, I you know, I remember being on the road and you know, you wanted to talk to your family and you have to get a a bag of you have a bag of change, you know. Yeah. And uh, and stand at a call box and just you know, keep keep slamming them in there it's not it's not easy in the film joey says that in the film he, he, he talks right. about that like free, freezing cold in poland at a phone booth <laughs> and you can't yeah. connect and then the bus has got to go and <laughs> yeah you know he said it's the worst feeling in the world ever and obviously now you it's you know you can you can pretty much get in contact with someone straight away but that added uh, yeah that added layer back then must have been really really tough and then especially what what mina was going through you know wrestling in like, this massive testosterone fueled scene um, and not really feeling that at all. Must, yeah. Even though, you know, she she loved, um, you know, a good a good fight at Lemoore's, you know, along with, with the rest of them. But, you know, I think there comes a time where, you know, she, I think, yeah, she definitely wrestled with with all of that. And you know, it's very conflicted. It must have been hard. And then being made to feel, you know, you, you should feel grateful for the position you're in. But then obviously the machine around that, I, I think it's it's probably a tough machine in general you know where, where where do you get time to appreciate the praise when you you know you're constantly uh you know pulled and pushed in different directions yes yeah and and also that you know so many assumptions are made are made about you that are absolutely yeah. the opposite of close to uh, yeah, or being completely. accurate you know completely because that you're you know front well you know as we as I alluded to earlier that 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 male scene that I I know you know I know from their history and having been a fan for many years that yeah uh, Keith used to you know what was the was the sort of you know fighty front man and yeah. and and it was literally it was literally kind of like you know the the opposite if you like it was kind of like right yeah there's a there's a there's this there's this physical fight going on as a front man fighting with the crowd yeah. but then there's that internal fight going on which is I, I i mean i'm enjoying this but i don't really want to be doing it at the same time and that's what really connected me with mina you know really it was that i, I did couldn't quite work out what was going on you know, it, it, it appealed. To, you know that that pain that she was obviously feeling was not. Um, you know that was not fake. Yes, and uh, when I, I I think that Life of Agony is a band. You know, if I could say, I mean, firstly, you know, what what an app name, what a great name. Um, yeah, there's something about them that has always been emotional you know right from that very first album where it is it's it's clear that it's like wow right okay these this is a bunch of guys who are dealing with stuff that nobody else is right off the bat right there from debut and and that's what they've always been about 
and I yeah, and, exactly. And I think that I think that also leads to a very to a real unique fan base because I don't I, they're the kind of band where I don't know anybody who's a Life of Agony fan that goes like oh yeah you know yeah they're yeah they're great you know get down the pit it's nice and heavy and all right. no if you're into the band you know exactly why you like them and and you know the lyrics and the topics yeah. that they that they cover is a big part of it yeah and it's funny it's a show, when you actually mention it's funny there's there's one guy um a friend of mine that i've known for like 20 odd years phil abel we used to dj together like you know all hard house kind of techno trance parties years ago um and i didn't know that he was into loa back then we only reconnected a couple of years ago um and he was, you know, he's in a band called Silver Chord, which are amazing. Um, and yeah, he, you know, we, we reconnected and started talking about LOA. And then it's that, it's that thing, as soon as you mention that name, it's almost like there's a silence if that other person knows what you're talking about. And there's an instant connection that I don't get when I talk about Alice in Chains, Nine Inch Nails, any other band that I know that I love. That band, if you, if you, say those three words, Life of Agony, and that other person knows what you're on about, you have a connection that's deeper than a lot of other, you know, a lot of other people straight away because you know where that comes from and what that band has done. And that's the same with every single Life of Agony fan. But I know they're amazing. I mean, I know it's a cliche to say they're the best fans in the world, but they are. They fucking love that band. Oh, they would die for them, you know. And the things that that band has done, the, the stories I've heard about how they've got people through dark times and, you know, they've come out the other side. And River Runs Red, where I, you know, think when I first heard that, and I, it scared me because it was about suicide, it saved people because it's about suicide. People who listen to that album and have, have, have stopped themselves from doing something really stupid yeah. because of that album. Um, and, and that is amazing, you know, in, in itself. And that's why this band has got such um, a special place in, in all of our hearts. You know? with, without a doubt and I, and I and I you know I agree with everything you said and I don't want to cheapen it but um I, I'm I have to say I that I have but, but I'm, yeah but I'm gonna go through anyway I have to say acid rain <laughs> fans are actually the best fans in the world um so, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. yeah, yeah I've, give me my camera let's go yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've got to say that it's contractual do you know what I mean um, absolutely <laughs> but um it was a cliche i did say it uh, no it's yeah but it's a cliche but i think i you know you, you know and you rightly addressed that before before rolling it out and and i think <laughs> that but i think there's a certain that there is a certain validity to it as well without a doubt yeah um i mean i i you know it, it, well when i was talking about how they were you know their their lyrics have always been like you know deep deeply emotional i've always thought of them as a as a hardcore Pink Floyd. Nice, nice. They'll be very. I mean, especially it will be over the moon with that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, because uh, um, there's certain bands out there that exist in isolation that that they're not part of any particular scene, and bands that spring to mind yeah, like that are are Tool, New Model Army. Um, you know, ba- bands and you know, yeah. in their day, Pink Floyd bands who just, who just do what they do, and and like people from all different genres and fan bases, 
like come together and you go to one of their gigs and you and if you if you go to regular like you know metal gigs or whatever you know whatever city you live in you you see a few of the same faces and you're like all oh, right yeah yeah you know and oh you know you see these people at these shows you see those people at those shows and then you go and see like you know a tool a life of agony somebody like that and and you see and you start and you see people that you don't expect to see do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, like you talking yeah, about, completely. like you talking about that, you know, your, your your mate who you didn't even know was in the life of agony. <laughs> exactly. It, and exactly it, that. Yeah, it's it's that kind of it, it's that that kind of band that just exists in their own kind of universe, if you like. Yeah, they do, and they they just do something special that people connect with. You know what I mean? Either you're into it or you're not, and you know they've got as many detractors as they as they have fans. You know, I mean, we all know that. We all know that. You know, me making this transition didn't go down too well in some people's eyes. Well, fuck them. You know what I mean? It's like the 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 things that they've done, especially since Mina came out as well. Amazing. I mean, God, what a what a rise from the ashes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To do that and then to go back to front your band as yeah. Mina Caputo. Wow. I mean, God, that that woman's got so much power. You know, she's 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 special. She really is. Um, and and the band as well to you know to, to accept her and just move move forward with the high you know the head the head held high and say we're still on the mission you know we've still got things to do it is awesome you know and I love that band for it well I I love it I love the fact that you've got this you've got this fucking hardcore ass kicking. Um... Uh, band and I, and I have to say, like you know, there's uh, the sound of scars. I I I, tw- I, I tweeted. And I must I must have hit a, I must have hit the right nerve because both Mina and Alan uh, both retweeted it. But I was just said like the sound of scars, great follow up and all the rest of it. But more than anything, it is a fucking ass kicking rock album. It is just, yeah. and I just I love the fact that there's this ass kicking hardcore rock metal band coming out of Brooklyn fronted by Mina and the yeah. and the juxtaposition of that you know it's like yeah that's it it it, it so shouldn't work <laughs> you know yeah, it's, it, but it, it's, totally. it's it's just absolutely perfect and uh, do you know what my favorite i think the the uh, talking about Floyd as well often their Floyd moment is I surrender off that album the last track love you and that that just goes off on a tangent i love I love that the outro just goes on for for ages. Um, it's awesome. That is that's one of my favorite um, favorite tracks that they've done. I surrender. Superb stuff. It's it is. It's it's absolutely brilliant. And I and I'm uh, I'm just I'm hoping that one day we get we get the because because the river runs red. You know they've they've done that to death. And by that and I don't. That's not a criticism of the band. It's like that's what that's what promoters fans record labels you know have demanded over the years yeah um and i'd but i'd love to see i'd love to see both albums you know performed back to back um and that that, you know that that and that complete story um i mean it's almost it's 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 almost it's almost it's almost like it's a rock opera do you know what i mean it's a it's it's a trademark that Uh, uh, I, I, That's yeah, a great idea. I think I think it'd just be so powerful. Um, God, yeah, uh, and and they're, you know they're the band to pull it off, you know, and you're the filmmaker to pull it off. Come on, there's there's project two. Oh, there you go. There's a, there's a sequel, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and and that's typical. Brilliant. Gee, I, I I should work for a movie company because that's exactly what would you happen, should. isn't it? Because it, 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 it it's um, yeah, the movie's not even out, and um, I'm already talking about a sequel. Yeah, that's usually how it goes, isn't it? 
Yeah, you should rename it Talking Bollocks with some sense. <laughs> so, talking, yeah, Talking Sense Bollocks. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I bet I've I noticed also from your from your personal um, history that obviously uh, you've you've got you've got form for this kind of um, you've got form for this kind of uh, project, and um, of course you um, you know you did the uh, you did the television movie. And, I did. And that, that was awesome. And, well, it, it, that sounds, you know, kind of similar. You know, sort of, uh, t, you know, director fan gets a chance to go on a road with the band and, and capture it all. That, yeah, I have got a form with that. Um, which is, yeah, you're right. I mean, I uh, met Terrorvision in 1994 at Donington. They don't remember it, but I do. <laughs> um, and it, it was Monsters at Rock uh, just before Biohazard got thrown off the, the second stage um, and I met them there and I, I love them. Some of the, the tape guru, as I'll call them from now on, um, I went into a shop and this misty figure appeared with a tape and it said, you need this. And it was from Elderhide, the first album. And I put it on and fucking loved it. So I was a massive television fan before they got, uh, before they made it big. Um, and then it was, you know, How I Make Friends and Regular Urban Survivors, which is a bonkers album. And, yeah, we went on and on tour with them, like, become friends with them. Yeah, again, same. I, I was going to go see them. I got in touch with Lee, the bassist, and then here's my staff exactly the same. Um, do you want me to film a bit for you? Yeah, brilliant. And then we become friends. So it's mad. I've become friends with, you know, two of my most favourite bands in the world, which is bonkers. That is... Um, uh, yeah, but that that is... That's that's the metal scene. That's, you know, uh, uh, you know... Uh, somebody who's passionate about about music what it reminds me of is like back in the day when you go to gigs um and you'd always it's like you'd always meet the band uh because you just yeah. turn because you just turn up at the gig you know four or five hours early you'd hang around all day and you meet the band it's yeah. just because it, you you know you you talk to certain kinds of fans and you know within within any sort of musical community and it's like yeah 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 i've met them i've met them I've met them. because when the gig's on, it's like right. Well, that that day is assigned to me to you know to to hanging out at that venue and trying to meet yes. the band. Uh, yeah, completely. And that, that's what we do. And by the sounds of it, you've taken it to the next level. I, I took the piss. That <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I, I, I'm pushy like that. Um, but it's, you know, it works. I did Terrorvision Christmas single, um, which was awesome. It was me and Lynch, uh, my my DOP again, and. We shot that at uh, this guy called Normity's house, and it's an ode. His house is an ode to Slade. Uh, it's like a love letter to Slade in there. He's got like um, uh, you know old costumes in there. He's got like old posters that he's just plastered on the wall everywhere. And it's a massive house that we filmed this uh, Christmas song in the television, and that was an amazing experience. So he's it so, really was. so he's got a Slade. He's got a Slade themed house. Um, do tell me. He's got a it, it, house. Do, do tell me when you go in his house, is it like Christmas every day? It's Christmas <laughs> every day. It really is. No, it's not. It's not as bad as that. But honestly, it's, it's, his house is brilliant. I mean, Mom and and his and his um, his partner, his missus, and they've been they travel around for gigs. Like you know, like you wouldn't believe before the pandemic, they were, they must have gone to that. I don't know, like hundred gigs a year easily, all over the shop, and they go, you know, do five on the trot. So when I met them, they, they, I met them on the uh, the television uh, tour, as well as some other awesome, uh, you know, loads of awesome people on there. Danny Fletcher, you know, really, really cool people. But they went, they were all just doing every single gig. So they went from Glasgow, they did about six or seven shows, and they do that religiously. So they, 
I mean, I feel for them. You know, I mean, out of most people that have kind of, you know, lost things, um, you know, uh, in, in the pandemic, you know, loved ones obviously aside, I feel for them because they were out every bloody week. They were amazing. They were my heroes. <laughs> Absolute heroes. And it's, um, I mean, it's people like that that, uh, you know, are going to be are going to be so grateful for the, you know, the movies that you've made. I mean, I, I noticed on te- the television um, documentary on IMDb had um, a 21 reviews and, and an average score of 9.1. I mean, that's... Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what happens when, when fans get involved in projects like this because you know it, it it's done from the right perspective and the way yeah. I, it always it always amazes me that um even even now record how how little record companies have learned about dealing with bands how little um uh you know movie uh companies have learned about dealing with artistic projects you know completely always having the wrong departments in the room you know the money men the marketing people and you've only and funnily enough it's quite apt that Zack schneider's um justice league has come out this week uh you know four years after it was ripped you know taken away from, well yeah. longer than that taken away from him at his weakest moment and and basically destroyed and he puts a four-hour four version out X amount of years later. Three. And people are going absolutely crazy about it, saying how brilliant it is. And I love that because it's basically a big middle finger to the marketing department. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it feels like that. They don't want you to like them before they start. So, you, you know, even before you actually watch anything, they've judged it already. You know what I mean? So you take, you take some of the... I was watching, you know, for my, for my students, Batman versus Superman the other night. And I really enjoyed it. I was enjoying it. I wasn't like I just watched it. I didn't expect anything from it to be honest. But the scenes of Batman in it were amazing. Like really, he's I mean, he's up there. Affleck is uh, he's I mean, apart from Adam West, of course. Uh, he's my favourite Batman now. Well, that the 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 scene um, the scene at the end of um, of Justice League, the new version. Like the, there's there's an epilogue, and yeah. and and there's a clip with him and the Joker where the Joker's offering him a truce, and. It's. It, I'm not gonna. It's just brutal. It's a, honestly. It's amazing. Um, wow. And yeah, Affleck has definitely, definitely nailed it. Um, yeah, completely. Uh, and, and 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 well, I know guitarist in Acid Rain who's got a, a Batman tattoo and is also a filmmaker himself. It was just like I'm after watching that. I just want a solo Affleck Batman movie. It's got to happen. <laughs> It should do, really. I mean, the way he fought as well, he's a brute. He absolutely he's brutal. He really is. I, I love him. I thought, I thought he was brilliant. Um, I didn't like Bale, though, to be honest. Never liked Christian Bale shooting out. I've, you know, I've had many an argument over that. Um, but, yeah, he, he, yeah, Athlet, for me, was definitely the one. Well, we, well, we've we've slightly gone on a, a little tangent there, but um, a, a bat tangent. But it's, but do you know what? It's going to take us, uh, yeah, a bat tangent. Yeah, um, it, it's going to uh, it's going to take us along to the fact that you've you've worked on uh, you've worked on a few movies that um, uh, that I'm a fan of, but especially Moon um, way back oh, in the day. Yeah. Now, yeah, definitely. Uh, that I mean, that for me, the movie that brought Sam Rockwell to real. You know prominence, but also obviously it, it was Duncan Jones's first movie, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, I, I remember him in the cutting room. Um, yeah, it was the, Nick Gaster was the editor. We we set that up at Shepperton. That's when I was an engineer, um, an avid engineer. That was my job. Um, right. So I'd set up editing equipment, 
sort of like to Paul Knight and, uh, you know, loads of other editors as well. And Nick Lasker was one of our regulars. And, yeah, we set Moon up. Um, and you knew that was special straight off the bat. As soon as you saw, you know, a couple of frames in the in, in the edit suite, it looked amazing. And Duncan Jones was in there all the time. He, he did not leave that cutting room. He was... Um, it, he was just so into into what he was doing with Nick. It was it was incredible to see. So yeah, every now and then I'd get a bollocking because the avid went down or the network went down, and we used to go in there and you'd get you know most most times when I saw editors they were pissed off because their equipment was down. <laughs> so um, but apart from that, you did get the sense that you know you know in some of these cutting rooms there were you know something really special you know was going on. And yeah, Moon was definitely up there. Well, well, I, I'm, I'm now, I, I, you know, I, well, I, I give with one hand, and and now I'm going to take away with the other because we, we've just talked about something there that you knew was very special, and uh, and I get that because like that translates to to the musician in me where you know when you're working on something that's good, you know when you've got something, yeah, you know. Um, but, but the opposite is true as well, and you know when you're working on a turkey. Now as a band, you just chuck it and go, yeah we're not doing that but with a movie yeah. you can be halfway through and you know you're working on a turkey but it, it is what it is you just got to get to the end and learn from the experience <laughs> and yeah you, you know yeah 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 you know where this know, is going exactly don't you going. Go in, in my top five sorry no top three worst movies i've ever seen i drove i drove away from this movie punching the steering wheel of my car shouting why guy Ritchie? why um oh interesting i wasn't going to go down that road what what are you are you on about revolver what definite top three worst movies i have ever seen fuck no man i love that film ah! i'm going to stand against you there oh I absolutely my God. love it well, i thought you were going to talk about die another day there in which case i was like yeah i know it's shit <laughs> um, but no revolver you're always a wicked film, man. Watch that again. Oh, Watch I, well, I, well. To be to be fair, I'd watch it again, but on one condi- Well, on one condition, Guy Ritchie watched cool. it with me because I've um, I have actually watched a section of it with director's commentary, and it's quite clear that Guy, like myself, doesn't know what the movie is about. And um, <laughs> I, 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 it's so, all the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, we, I, I did, I did not get on with that. My girlfriend fell asleep during it, and, <laughs> and, and, and I went, I went to nudge her to wake her up, and I just went, actually, do you know what? No, I'll leave I'm, that. yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave you to it. You've got the better deal here. <laughs> but, um, oh man, no, I, I love that film. I really did. Oh, um, fair enough. Think, and you know what? It's one of those things that I can't actually pinpoint it and tell you why, because it confuses the hell out of me when I watch it. But I just like it. I just, just. <laughs> There's something about it. That's, I mean, Statham is, is is awesome in that. He's got some great monologues. Ray Lighter is a nutter in it. You know, there's Andre Three Thousand. It's definitely yeah. It, it's it's Kabbalah. Um, you know, it, it, it's a Kabbalah fest, a gangster Kabbalah fest is what I would call that. It's, um, yeah. But it's it's great. You know, that, I, I loved it. <laughs> oh well, look, you know, and that's the thing, music. Uh, movies, whatever it's it's all art, Very and it's and you know yeah. yeah exactly. There's no right, there's no wrong. There's just there's just opinion. There's just how you feel about something. Um, it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it's just like well, you know, it, there's it, everybody has their every everybody has their um 
their their own opinions. I mean, now we we actually have yeah. people who have their own facts as well. But that's that's another podcast. That's another um, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's that's another podcast entirely. But with but with art, that's the beautiful thing about it is that it well, is just opinion. You can't ever have you can't ever have somebody who is right because there's no such no. thing as right or wrong. But then with the internet, you know, obviously that breeds it. I mean, I'm, I've been working on a film for four years, um, which we're at the last stages of, of, of uh, completing that now. And that's um, about the most polarising band in the world. Either you, you know, you love them or you, or you actually hate them. Um, and that's, um, yeah, that's we, we explore those themes uh, in that, of like what's right, what's wrong, who's, you know, whose opinion matters um, and everything else. And yeah, that's... Um, that's been that's been an interesting ride, I have to say. So what? And that sound that sounds insane. What what's that? Um, it's a band. It's it's it's, it's a Nickelback. So basically, I've been working with them for four years. Bloody um, hell! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, that's crazy. That honestly, those guys are awesome. And I, I've I've gone in and met them. You know, obviously met them or worked with them. Stayed at Chad's house a few times, got pretty next with him um, a few times, and we've shot this over four years. Um, and it is, you know, it's, it's a great little film. It's about how they, they started up and, you know, obviously the fallout of being the most hated band in the world and, and everything else. And it's been it's been a long process, but it's, it's been needed because it's one of those films that was just, you know, layers have been added onto that as we've gone, as we've gone through. So I'm well excited for that to come out as well. I really am. That does sound pretty incredible. I mean, funnily enough, I know I, I, I'm tr- when you, I'm trying to think. There's somebody I know who um, who's a big who's a big friend of um, of Chad's and 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 kind of like a, a defender of his who you kind of wouldn't expect. He's awesome. uh, but yeah, I've I've heard that. I've heard that he's that you know he's he's a, he's very kind of accepting of of who he is and yeah. where he is. Yeah, was, I mean, he's the most generous man I've ever met as well he you know if you're in his if you're in his company he can't do enough for you he really can't he's, he's so generous and so and so lovely um he's got a heart of gold in him you know what i mean they all have they're, they're they're an amazing band you know what i mean it's like if i weren't i was not a fan you know before i got into them uh, before i started the film and then you know i went into all the albums and you know i just you know i kind of fell in love with them fell in love with their stuff and and just their story as well and they're awesome. They're, they're 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 really cool guys, man. And yeah, that's that film is going to be very special when that comes out as well. Yeah, that's Completely a pretty polar opposites, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, and it's a real it's a really it kind of bizarre sort of story as well because it, it it's. Well, all, all three are. I mean, you know, you, you, you were doing television who were, who were, you know, were coming back and doing this anniversary tour. And then you've got yeah. you, you, the, the, the Life of Agony story, which is unique and unlike any other. Um, and then, well, the Nickelback story is unique and unlike any other, but for very different reasons. Yeah, completely. You don't mean sexual. <laughs> it's yeah it's it's kind of mad how did you come on how did you end up getting you know getting in with uh, Nickelback was it was it Pushy well, Lee again was it <laughs> well no it wasn't the same as Life of Agony or Terrorvision but Terrorvision <laughs> did help um weirdly enough because um there's a, a friend of mine um called Beth Paul who runs a production company um called Wanson Media and he contacted me and said you just done that Terrorvision doc can I can I borrow it can I have a look at it um, and then basically he introduced me to a producer, Ben Jones, that was asked to go to uh, to, to Canada um, to film this um, 
you know, to film like almost, uh, I think it was Feed the Machine was coming out at the time. So it was more a history, like a band history. It was like the, you know, the albums and everything else. Like one of those behind the music things. But we went out there and shot it and it quickly turned into something completely different. And four years later, that's where we are now. So it's not really a, around the music again. Yet again, we, we, we delve more into, into their families and, and, and those guys. Um, but then obviously where, you know, you can't get away from it. They were the most played band in the 90s, in, in the noughties. Yeah. You know, in, in America, every 3.2 minutes, um, how your money was played. Bloody at hell. At a certain point, every 3.2 minutes, somewhere in America. Wow. Crazy. They were played more than the Beatles, more than Zeppelin, more than the Stones in the noughties. That's, yeah, that, I, I, that, didn't that, didn't that, that song broke one of Elvis's records as well, didn't it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember hearing at the time that it was like, I, I think it broke, a, a, it broke, a, it broke a, an airplay record that had been held by, um, uh, since Elvis. Mad. Yeah. Mad. Yeah, and, and, and well, the, well hey, they, there you go. Look, look, look that one up. I, I, unless I'm talking utter shit, you might spend all day searching the internet going, the lying bastard. That quote that I'm going to put it in the film. No, he told me it's going in. It's yeah. Elvis. You can reference Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. You can ring Chad. You're a modern day Elvis, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, uh, but not bad for like four guys from Hannah. Well, you know, no. I mean? like, Hannah was like this three, I think two. I went to Hannah. <laughs> uh, we went with them when they were, they, they played a gig there as their old band. They did it in a covers band called Village Idiot. Uh, which is brilliant um, and then they went back to play a few songs there so I, I went with Ben and my DOP again Lynch um, and we went to Hannah uh, and it was like a population of under 3,000 there um, and yeah cause they, you know they love that they love that band they love their you know, so that's a family community out there so there's a sign when you drive into Hannah so, you know Hannah you know proud to be the home of Nickelback you drive in there and then there's all the album covers on like the I think it's a sports hall they've done these massive kind of you know, graphics of every single album cover. Um, wow. Yeah, and they were lovely people as well. They really were. You know, the people at Hannah are awesome. Um, good to see them in their home environment as well, you know, where they came from. And was it and was it kind of different the fact that you were that you, that that was that was a band that you were sort of you know that you were you were called up to work with as opposed to, you know, badgered and, and were a fan of and wanted to work uh-huh. with. Yeah, it was. But then the good thing is, I mean, everything's kind of all dovetailed into each other. You know, the, the further I got into into making films, every single film has influenced the other. So, you know, where where I spent a lot more time working on Life of Agony for a while, and then I went back into into Nickelback, um, everything's all kind of, you know, all, all gelled together. So the films have kind of definitely really influenced each other. And I think, yeah, that, that will come across as well. Um and yeah, again, that's another film that I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of. You know, it's um, yeah, having you know an immediate disconnect from them, but then actually becoming a fan and a, and a, you know a champion for them as well. You know, I'll, I'll listen to anyone slating off anyone um, if it's if it's valid. You know what I mean? And sometimes it is valid, and sometimes it's not. Um, doesn't matter either way. It's just your opinion, man. You know what I mean? But um, I will definitely, you know, I've definitely become a champion for them since working for them. That's not just because. I've been working on it. It's because I get it, yeah. Um, and I, I identify with their story as well, and what, what they've gone through, um, and and the people they are, and the people they've become. 
and and having gone through everything that they've gone through and you know you're being the most played being the most hated um yeah. it's i mean that is a that that's a real real tough place to be because ultimately you're kind of in that position where you know we all we all want the acclaim of our peers do you know what i mean we all want to be um but but also we all want we all want to be popular and we all want to be you know sell records and 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 get to do things and yeah yeah you but it's rare that you get a band who gets such an extreme acceptance on one side and such an extreme reaction on the other of it yeah i mean you've got to look you know you know obviously when they came out um the internet was kicking off you know what I mean? It was all these different elements like MySpace and, you know, Facebook and, and you know, Twitter and everything else. And it was all, that was the advent of social media. I think if that was four years earlier, it would have been another band that, that would have got it in the neck, so to speak, to begin with. You know, I think they were just in, the, in that right and wrong place at the same time. Yeah, well, I, 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 I kind of, I think, I think that's, I, I think that's kind of one of aspect of it. But I think it was almost it a per- it, it, it. It, it's a perfect storm. There's that aspect, and then there's the how you remind me aspect, and those two married together is that that's kind of your perfect storm, really. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. I mean, that was one of those songs, wasn't it? That was you know, it was like the Brian Adams. It was like the wet, wet, wet. It was those songs yes. that just seemed to be you know in your face for a long, 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 long time. Yes. Um, and as much as that track was a massive deal, we played the night. I love the track, but yeah, after a while, you did get a bit, you know, all right, enough. Yeah, know. two two um, two great and very un, and, and very unflattering um, comparisons, but absolutely spot on. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. You know, it's like you know they they'd be the first to admit that as well. But then with that, you know, that success, then you know they they just went around the world like a storm, didn't they? You know, and then all the right reasons is one of the you know biggest selling albums of all time. Yes, it's um, and that had like five five singles off there, and Rockstar. I love Rockstar. You know, well, rightly or wrongly, I, I look. I know. I, I, I love it. You, you've 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 hit on you've hit on the 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 Nickelback song I like, and they're one of those bands where I think it's like you can say what you like about them, and you can properly hate them, but ultimately. Deep down, there will be at least one song where you go. Actually, I quite like that. And for me, yeah, Rockstar is Nickelback. And for me, Rockstar's that track. And I think what makes that track is the video. Yeah, the video is awesome. It's it really it's, it's absolutely brilliant because it's like it's so tongue in cheek, and it's so brilliantly done because you've got a bunch of rock stars singing about being a rock star, and all of them are clearly loving it. You know, and it, Do you and, think and it paved the way for TikTok. That video is very TikToky, isn't it, for, for its time? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that video influenced the Chinese government to create TikTok. Um, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and sneak and sneak onto all our phones and steal all our information. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Nickelback. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe um, it, that video was the virus that started that um, that particular <laughs> that particular very disease. But um, I, I, yeah, I mean, there is—they are—they're just one of those bands where I think, yeah, they, people won't admit it, but there is, um, there, there is always one song, and and yeah, rock, yeah. rockstar is that song for me. 
without a doubt. I think photographs, like this, you know, something like one, one track I really fell in love with, with you know, those, those lyrics are really better, better to the bone. You know what I mean about their town and you know, growing up and, and everything else. And it's um, the lyrics in that are amazing. And it's like you know, I think anyone that's missed their hometown, you know, would definitely get something from that track. It's um, I love that track. And um, so yeah, that's it's definitely it's one of those things that my playlist has grown now uh, from that, and and more you know more of it, more music. I say. Well, you've done you've done me a favour there because now I've got um, now I've got to dig that song out as well as Broken Valley after we we finish speaking. <laughs> um, so that's extended my playlist as well. So I I, I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. No, not at all. And um, uh, but I, I, are you um, are you are you developing a niche here because you know you've got television, you've got Life of Agony. You've got, I mean, Nickelback is that's that's you know that's big hitters there. I mean, Terrorvision and and Life of Agony are are big in their own circles, but Nickelback that's that's huge. Yeah. Um, is that is that now in the back of your mind? Is can that be a huge calling card for maybe developing this and you know working with more bands and bigger bands? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, absolutely. And not necessarily big. I think it's just, you know look, it's all about the story. It's not yeah. You know, one of my favourite docs. Um, is searching for Sugar Man, you know. Another oh, favourite yes. is Ginger Baker. You know, there are, you know, it's not about the success or the record sales of a band. It's about yes. the journey they've been on or, you know, the personal journey is what makes the story, you know, and and, and that's, that is it. You know I mean? You could yeah. talk about, it would get very boring if, if, you know, that whole film was talked about record sales and how this was recorded and then what happened there. It's like, I don't care. Yeah, I want to know how it felt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That was the that was the um, that was the band member in me because, of course, what you want to do is <laughs> you all, you always want to be playing that next bigger thing, that next bigger venue, etc. But you know, of course, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at the Anvil story, a, 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 yeah, exactly. a legendary documentary about a band many people had never heard of when it came out. Yeah, exa- exactly that. I mean, you know, it, it, it's all about, it's, it's about stories at the end of the day. And that's, that's what, you know, I, I, I love getting to know people and I love getting to know what makes them tick because that works in a weird way. It kind of, you know, crystallises how I tick. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll probably ask certain questions that I want to know because it, they resonate with me as much as I need to get information about certain different things. But inherently, it's got they, these things have got to resonate with me as a human. And for me to be, you know, that interested in it, where I could look myself in a room for 14 hours a day, yeah, um, editing stuff and looking for threads and everything, you know, it's, um, you've got to be invested yes. in it. You can't just do that, you know, not on a project like this, not, not on these, not on these scales, you have to be invested. Well, again, it comes back to it comes back to art, doesn't it? And ultimately, art yeah. art, it, it, art is born from passion. And if you don't have a passion for for the project, you shouldn't be on the project. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one movie that springs to mind: um, there's a band called Descendants who are absolutely awesome, and there's a documentary on their life called Filmage. Um, and that's yeah, that's the word film and the and the word age, but all as one word, filmage. Yeah, check it out, mate. Check it out. It's okay. an, it's an incredible story. They're an incredible band. Um, influenced loads of people. The guys behind, well, the guys in Blink One Eight Two um, helped finance it to get it made because in the singer from Blink One Eight Two's words, um, we've been ripping them off for twenty years. Um, so we really should be helping get you know uh, shining a light on their story and the band 
Um, everyone's in it. Dave Grohl, you name it. Um, and it's it is yeah. I if you're into music and you're into music docs, which obviously you are, yeah, um, then yeah, then and and also for me, ninety minutes you can't beat the runtime. Yeah, it's it's no, it's it's not the Snyder cut. That's for sure. <laughs> It's the rule of three, though, isn't it? You know, three. You know, you've got three. You've got a three-act structure. Those three acts should be um, thir- three boxes. Yeah, thirty minutes or thirty minutes. Yeah. The rule of three again. So three acts, thirty minutes. It's ninety minutes. The filmage is great, <laughs> mate. You will honestly, you will enjoy it. There's some great little bits of um, uh, animation in it as well. And um, yeah, it is. It is honestly, watch it. All right. I will, I will. I'll dig that out. I'll dig that out. I've got nothing on later on, so that could be my evening evening film before uh, the TV gets taken over. I'll oh. put my line in the sand right now. Oh, well, dude, look, if you do that, you've text me or something after you've watched it. Because, yeah, I will. Uh, and Absolutely. Um, either slagging me off or thanking me. But um, <laughs> but my, my, my feeling is that you'll enjoy it and then you'll have, that will act as your gateway into the band that is Descendants who are legendary without descendants there's no green day and without green day there's none of that shit that happened in the 90s with them and bands of their ilk so that's where you know that's that's the kind of influence they've had on that sphere of music interesting all right i will i will dig that out today sir cool brilliant all right mate well look i think um i think that's well that's that that seems like the the right place to um to call it a day we've done you know we've done an hour and 20 minutes i think you've you've earned a break <laughs> yeah have a coffee definitely <laughs> oh absolutely definitely a coffee and uh the sun <laughs> the sun's come out here as well so uh it might even be uh, it might even be coffee outside for me wow oh, hey nice. what a treat <laughs> <laughs> um well lee i can't thank you enough for 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 um, taking the time out and and sharing your Sunday, it's um, it's really appreciated. I'll I'll let you know when oh, this welcome. is coming out. And well, look, mate, I, I, this this has been this has been an absolute blast. A great way to spend a Sunday morning. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, Lee. I agree. Thank, thank you. you very much. Brilliant, man. Nice one, mate. Well, look, take care and speak to you soon. Hey, check check that um, check that filmage uh, movie out and uh, and and, and yeah, I want and definitely. I want I want to text after you've watched it. All right. I will keep you posted, my man. Brilliant. Thank you. Nice one, mate. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. That was fucking great. Yeah, I don't like to blow me on trumpet there, but um, that wasn't me blowing me on trumpet. That was me just going, yay! That was so much fun. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Lee. As you can hear, I hope it was as much fun to listen to as it was to do. It's a... I know it's a cliche, but I really do mean it. Um, that was the, That was such an enjoyable way to spend a Sunday morning. Um, and, um, and, and sometimes when you're doing these things... Um, you do feel like you just hit it off with the person that you're speaking to. And I really, really felt like Lee and I um, just hit it off as two huge fans um, of Life and Agony. And and I I cannot, I haven't seen the movie yet. I cannot wait to see it. I know it's going to absolutely blow me away. I cannot wait to see it. Um, and I'm so glad to see it getting recognition already. It's going to be remo- uh, reviewed on the uh, Kermode and Mayo movie podcast, which is a huge, well, it's just about the biggest movie podcast in the UK. Um, been going about 20 years. So that's 
that's brilliant. Um, and I just hope they they get as much success um, as possible from this. I hope it reaches the people it needs to reach because it's such a, a they've got such an interesting and powerful story that this is going to be as you've heard as you've heard over the course of the last hour of it this is just going to be incredible i can't wait to see it um no band deserves to have their story told more than life of agony i'm really really pleased that it's being done and um and all us like life of agony fans owe lee a debt of gratitude and also you know it can't have been easy for the band to open themselves up and to be subject to the kind of scrutiny that this kind of documentary would have put them under. So for that alone, I think is an incredible achievement. Um, and um, yeah, I just can't wait to see it. I really can't. And I hope to do some interviews, um, potentially with members and potentially another one with Lee um, after the documentary's been out a while, uh, just to get some kind of feedback on the, you know, some feedback on the feedback, really, and how it's gone, but also to talk about the movie now that I've seen it as well, and we can sort of get into it a little bit deeper. That might end up being an episode of Movie Bollocks, who knows? But anyway, look, I really hope you've uh, enjoyed this kind of special edition of um, Talking Bollocks, although it's just coming out as a regular one, because I love you guys so much, I wanted to give you something a little bit special. So, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody listening, it's been a pleasure. Hope you've enjoyed it, and I look forward to catching up with you another time for another episode of Talking Bollocks.